the lyrics of that song um, says, Let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out. When we think about justice, that's our actions toward other people. And praise, we can kind of think about it, conceive it as the way we talk to, the way we think about our God. And the entire mission of God in our lives is to create in us right thoughts, right actions toward others, right thoughts, right actions toward God. And so as we give ourselves to Him, the Holy Spirit inspects our hearts, and He preaches to us continually the gospel, then we should find in our lives that it is more and more true that justice and praise have become our embrace. And we do possess right thoughts and right actions toward others. And we do have right thoughts, right actions towards God. And we do find ourselves coming into alignment with the mission of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. That's what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. We've been made new in Him. We've been given new life. There is a brand new heavenly reality at work inside of us. And so if we don't find that our lives are coming more and more into alignment with who God is, with what His purpose is in our hearts, then we have to question whether our whole Christian walk is the real deal or not. And I want us to entertain this morning this possibility that it might be that your secrets are the most revealing thing about you. Like it might be the case that the things that nobody else knows, the areas of your lives that you keep hidden from everyone but yourself and from God, could be the most revealing things about your character, about your nature, and about who you actually are in Christ Jesus. Whether for good or for bad. You know, sometimes secrets have a way of changing our perspective on things. I met a kid a couple of weeks ago who was a vegetarian. And, and so we started asking him. He was in our van that we took to our ministry site at Infuge. And I just started, man, A, just let me confess that I am biased because I am a meat eater. If there was ever a meat eater in the world, I am he. I mean, I, if you're looking for that guy, you found him right here, man. I mean, it's just part of, part of being human is we get to decide what we're going to eat. But part of being from Kentucky is you decide to eat meat. I mean, it's just the way it goes. I was perplexed by this kid from the beginning. And so I asked him, I said, why are you a vegetarian? And here's what he says. Because I saw the video. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? And apparently he had seen this video that shows how meat is processed. And I'm sure it's mainly like bologna and, um, you know, hot dogs and stuff. But he was just convinced that if you eat meat, you're eating worms and snake skins and cockroach legs and everything in the world except for just regular meat. And so from now on, man, he's going to eat vegetables only. Um, he's like the anti-Hefe, you know, the complete opposite of him. 
just living on vegetables because of this video. And it changed his perspective that much that now he's never going to eat meat again. He can't even look at it the same. And I just wonder sometimes, like, if people could, like, see the video on us. Like, if they could see the behind-the-scenes video of you. They could see the behind-the-scenes video of me. How would that change their perspective? Would they be able to look at us the same anymore? And this is not an irrelevant question. It could be the most significant question of our lives. And I want us to look at Romans chapter 2 today to kind of just get a handle on what is the significance of these secrets. Why is this so important? Why does it matter? Because it does matter. And we're going to find out that Paul not only insists that it matters, but he's going to insist that it is central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, he's writing his kind of manifesto of theology. He wants to get it right in the book of Romans. He's writing to the people who are worshipers in the biggest city, the most important city of his time, the place where the people are going to have the most influence, where they're going to have the most access to important people, the place where people are most likely going to have the most education. And it so happens a place where there are a lot of Jewish Christians. And so he needs them to understand theology. And so he starts to break it down. And in the first chapter of Romans, he establishes that every single human being is completely without excuse when it comes to obeying God. See, you might not think about this, but when you walk out and see the sunshine, when you walk out and see the grass growing, when you walk out in the winter and you see snowfall, when you walk out in the spring and you see the winter beginning to fade away and spring beginning to come, the Bible says that that is revelation enough for you to know that there is a God to whom you are accountable. It is wired into human nature However we might fight against it, however we might try to hide it, however we might try to lie to ourselves about it, to believe that there is a Creator who has made me and all things. And because of that, we're accountable to Him for our actions, for our thoughts, for everything that we do. That's every human being, like all of them whether they've heard the gospel, whether they've been introduced to the Jewish law, no matter who they are or where they are, all humans are accountable to God for being able just to look at creation and know that He exists and we're accountable to Him. So Paul belabors this point in chapter 1, and he also points out that every single person has rebelled against this revelation. Every single person has determined that when it comes down to it, their God is going to be their self and not their creator. Because when push comes to shove, our nature causes us to care what we think a whole lot more than we care what God thinks. It's the nature of every human being. But now Paul wants to talk about the Jewish people in particular. And, and here's, here's where we're going to get to work. We're going to start... In verse 12, and we're going to kind of think through what it means for us to be accountable to God and what in particular that might have to say to us who are believers. So everybody turn to Romans chapter 2, hopefully you're already that far, and get down to verse 12, and that's where we're going to get to work. Verse 12. 
All right. Here's what it says. It says, all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So here's what Paul's saying. In Judaism, they, they had this law. It's called the Torah. And whenever we see Paul say the word law, I mean, almost every time, he's not referring to natural law or conscience or anything like that, though some scholars would advance that particular position. What he's referring to is the Jewish law. We have to understand Paul was Jewish through and through. When a Jewish person says law, they mean Torah. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about, in particular, the first five books of the Old Testament. It's not just a code of rituals. It's not just a code of ethics. It's not even just a legal code for how their society would conduct itself, although it is all of those things. The primary thing about the law that we need to know for a Jewish person is that it was a badge of inclusion in the people of God. So if you've got Torah, you are somebody to God. And this is the belief that most Jewish people had in the time of Paul. So they had their hope in Torah. They looked to Torah as the embodiment of wisdom and knowledge. They looked to Torah as the embodiment of all that God would have them be. They looked to Torah as the hope of a future blessing from God. Torah was the bottom line reality for a Jewish person. And so they put a lot of stock in this thing. Well, here's what Paul says. He says, you know what, people who don't have Torah, in some ways they've got it a little bit better than you because... They're going to perish without the law. And so the level of accountability they're going to have is not going to be as great as those who die under the law, who are going to be judged by it. That's what Paul's saying in these first couple of verses. And he says, for it's not the hearers, not just those of you who possess the law, who are going to be justified. And justified means included in God's family. That's all that means. It's not just those of you who hear that, who are going to receive that blessing, but it's those who do it. And so you think you've got this badge of inclusion that makes you somebody. But the truth is that when judgment occurs, you're going to be judged more strictly because you have this law. And so what he's established so far is that there are two kinds of people. There are Gentiles who are going to be accountable because of the way they've interpreted creation and the way they've responded to the fact that God made them. And then there are going to be Jewish people, and they're going to be judged on the basis of how they've responded to God's fuller revelation called the law or Torah. Everybody trucking with me so far? Two different kinds of people. And now what we're going to find in this next verse is a third kind of person. And watch this. This is important. Here's this third kind of person. They're Gentiles, in verse 14, who do not have the law... By nature, do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they don't have the law. So we've got Gentiles who respond poorly to the revelation of creation. Jews who respond poorly to the revelation of Torah. Neither one is obedient to God. Then we've got this third kind of person who is a Gentile who somehow obeys the law. So I want us to go on and find out more about this kind of person. They show in verse 15 that the work of the law is written 
on their hearts. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, my good news, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. So this third kind of person has the law written on their hearts. This phrase only occurs in a few other places in Scripture. It occurs in Jeremiah 31, 33, and right there it's talking about God creating a new people, creating believers who have His Word written on their heart. It occurs in Hebrews, and that's a quote of Jeremiah 31, 33. Every single time this phrase, word written on their hearts, occurs, it's always referring to believers. Never occurs in any other fashion. So there's been some debate whether this is believers or just regular Gentiles this is talking about. But if we're to take Scripture seriously and understand it on the basis of the way the writers use words and phrases, then we have to understand this to be believers. Because only believers have God's Word written on their hearts. And so here's what it says. You're a law to yourself, and on that day you will be excused or accused by your conscience Because God is going to judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And what this is talking about is the final judgment. When all human beings are going to come under the judgment of God. And in that moment, we're going to find out that our secrets may be the most significant thing about us because God is going to judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Throughout the book of Romans, Paul's going to establish that our hope is built entirely on our faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot merit eternal reward. We cannot merit God's grace. And Jesus has done everything that's necessary for us to have eternal security in Christ. But, when we stand in judgment, our secrets will be brought to light. And when God reveals those secrets, that's going to be the moment when He reveals who the children of God are and who they are not. And so it won't be the case that there will be some whose lives will be completely inglorious But they're sons of God. No, God's going to be justified because His people, their secret thoughts, their secret actions, the way they've lived their lives, the way He's transformed them by the power of the Holy Spirit is going to demonstrate that God is just and God is righteous. And so here's the question. When the video plays, what will it indicate about What perspective will all creation now have on you? And here's where we have to get very honest with ourselves. You know, sometimes I think the Bible ought to have in the back of it a glossary for people who live right now because we've made up all these words to call our sins so we don't have to think they're sins anymore. Like I remember when I was in college, I used to run around and tell people I was so busy. 
And what I did was I took 25 hours a semester. I worked three jobs. I did all these things so that I could run around and tell people I'm so busy. You know what that translates to? Self-absorbed. The very opposite of what God's Word has programmed us to be. Anytime this word self comes up in your vocabulary, you've got to be careful. So we've got this idea of being busy, that self-absorption. What about, what about stinginess? It kind of almost turns into a good thing. That, that's called being self-concerned. Self. What about, you ever hear these people who, people say about him, oh, he's just that way. Or, oh, you just got to get to know him. Or, oh, she's just been like that her whole life. That's called self-determined. We talk about people who are just, in, oh, just a little bit inconsiderate, you know? Just, just not thinking about things. Just not thinking through what other people are going to That's called being self-focused. And so the bottom line is we think of these as little bitty things, but the reality is when our life starts becoming about ourselves, it's not just a small little sin. It's rebellion against the very heart of what God's Word is all about. If we skip up just a few verses before we get to this passage, here's what it says. It says that those, in verse 7, who seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, there will be wrath and fury. There was a time when I kept a secret from my dad. I had... Um, been a part of a little bit of mischief and we had gone and we had unleashed about three dozen eggs on the house of my friend's grandparents neighbor he was just to my friend he said he was just ornery and mean and so anyway we went and we had our 16 year old vengeance on this guy um just as we were pulling away we saw the police lights come on behind us um and we were busted so the police took us to the police station right next door to my house. I mean, next door. And so I called my mom about 2 in the morning to come and pick me up from the police station. And um, I got my punishment that night. And, you know, it was pretty severe. But the thing is, I didn't live with my dad. So dad didn't find out for a very, very long time. It was about two or three months later that he was sitting poolside at the golf course, um, hanging out with his wife and um, the kids who lived with him. His, I mean, his kids who, you know, they were theirs. And they're just chilling at the pool. And all of a sudden, my science teacher, Miss Davis, looks over at my dad, according to him, and um, says, so what are you going to do about Ryan? And so my dad's like, yeah, what? <laughs> you know? And so she tells him the story from start to finish of how I've been arrested and I'm going to be going to court and everybody in school knows about it, the whole town knows about it, except my dad. Meanwhile, I'm at my house, and me and my buddy have had these girls over to hang out and play basketball and chill, you know. We got, we're sitting in the front of the house, um, lounging on the back of our cars, just talking. When I hear the most horrendous peeling of tires I've ever heard in my entire life, and I see my dad's F-250 just storming down the road. And I'm just thinking, man, what is he in such a hurry for? 
And next thing I know, I'm flying by my collar over into his truck. And he throws me in, then he gets in there. And my dad, was he was so huge. Like, anyway, he, he just starts unleashing on me. And I received the worst tongue lashing of my life. And I was just absolutely terrified. And then I saw my dad start to cry. And asked me to explain to him why his role as father in my life was not significant enough for me to take seriously telling him my secrets. Why was it that I didn't love him enough, respect him enough, to share with him the troubling parts of my life. And so I went from being absolutely terrified to in about five seconds absolutely heartbroken. And we need to consider the gravity and the significance of the fact that all of our secrets will be revealed. And for many of you who have persevered secretly in well-doing for the entirety of your lives, it's going to be the most exciting, awesome moment of encouragement that you'll ever experience. And that's when the glory of God, the Holy Spirit at work in your life, your perseverance, everything that you have done in the power of God is going to be vindicated. And you're going to walk into your eternal reward all on the basis of what Christ has accomplished through you. And that will be the unveiling of your secrets. But there will be those who when their secrets are revealed, it will reveal to them that they never knew our God. There are only two kinds of people. Those who have the works of the law written on their hearts and those who do not. And if God's Word is written on your heart, it will produce obedience. There is no such thing as a Christian who is not growing in obedience. We confuse our theology. We take little trite statements and interpret them to comfort ourselves. But you will not find in Scripture an instance of God saying that there will be people who have not grown in obedience who are going to spend eternity with Him. That person does not exist. So please don't comfort yourself with that falsehood. But know this, that when God unveils the secrets of His people, when God unveils the secrets of our hearts, when God reveals to all creation who are the sons of God, it's going to be the moment when God receives the glory that he has been deserving for all eternity. And so let's live in such a way that our secrets are going to bring glory to God. And let's yield to the new creation at work inside of us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you that your word is faithful. Your word is true. Your word is just. Your word is good. And through it, you accomplish all your work. And so I pray, God, that your word would work in our hearts, that you would create obedience in our hearts, 
that you would teach us to become who you've called us to be, that your new creation inside of us would work itself out in our lives. Teach us to take seriously our sin. Teach us to take seriously your call to run from it. And bring about obedience in our hearts and lives, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.